0: chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2. A couple of verses here. Uh, starting verse number 15. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We certainly see a direction today, just the opposite with the current trend in churches today, and desiring to be more and more like the world as much as they can. Verse 16, For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. I ask your blessing upon the service tonight. I pray, one, that you'd be glorified and honored. Lord, help me to stay true to your word, and please, I pray this would draw us closer and genuinely help control what I say and how I say it, Lord. We love you, and I pray and ask all this in Christ's name, amen. Uh, when I was gone, uh, Levi had contacted me. He was driving the truck, and uh, the brake light popped on, uh, on him, and the next thing he knows, No brakes. Went straight down. I think he's getting on Minnesota or something like that. I can't remember where he was. He's getting on Minnesota, coming back from work, and no brakes. And uh, that warning light came on, and the brakes went out, and the caliper had actually broke in half, which we had just got done replacing those brake pads. So somehow we managed to crack a ca- these guns. When you're tightening those bolts with guns like these, you can just crack a caliper pretty easily. <laughs> Even I laugh at that. That's, that's but anyhow. And when I was down with Heather, helping her buy a car when she moved to Utah before she was married, and I flew her down to Utah and getting her all set up when she was going to be teaching there. And one of the first cars we looked at, the guy was, you know, he talked about how great the car was, and he was like only the second owner, and it looked really promising. So we took the car out, and I was driving it for about five minutes, and a warning light came on. One of the dash lights came on about the engine getting too hot. And so I knew right there, nope, I saw that dashboard light, and that was a no-go right there. Um, I remember when I was, uh, uh, my very first car was a 1976 Chevy Nova. I bought it in 86 or 87. I was 10 years old. The doors did not work. You had to crawl in through the windows, but Duke's Hazard was part of the show back then, so I didn't mind at all at 16 years old diving in, the, in there. It was a bummer if you dove and the one window was up at times. That, that was a bummer. And, uh, but I was driving, the road, driving down the road, and another, and the dash light came on. It was The engine was too hot. And uh, I said, yeah, no, I'm only a couple miles from home, so I ignored it. Next thing you know, I, I was probably about a mile farther down the road, and the entire engine seized. Little did I know that would be the last time I would ever drive that car. I ignored the dash light, the warning indicator that was there. And I want you to think about this. What would a dashboard warning lights look like for your life? What would they look like? What warning lights would you have? What warning lights would be on it um, for your life? I think all the indicators would be focusing on conditions of your heart and trying to protect it. I think there would be a warning light for lust of the flesh that would start flashing. I think there would be a warning light for lust of the eyes that would begin to flash. A warning light for the pride of life. I think there would be another one when something is trying to steal your affection I think we'd all have different ones based on our life and who we are, what warning lights might pop up. For some, it might be anger. For some, it might be gossip. For some, it might be bitterness. I do believe the Holy Spirit acts, in a sense, as a dashboard with those warning lights for our life. He sends us warning indicators to your mind. Don't ignore them. Don't continue down the road when those warning lights are all of a sudden flashing. Don't choose to ignore it. Your life will be headed for destruction. Major problems when you ignore those warnings. Once you are saved, there is a battle for your love. We are all designed to... People worship Whether they know it or not. We are designed to worship something. Every single person does. Your love is connected to worship. There is a battle for your heart. In our text we are commanded not to love the world or the things in it. So there's a battle for the heart, for the Christian, between God and the things of this world where the battle lies, so much of those warning indicators that the Holy Spirit is going to use in our life is going to deal with where our affection lies. The greatest command we have is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. And we are to protect that. God is to be our life, not just simply a part of our life. You will find time and time again, many things will pull for your love, for your affection. Today, we are going to look at the command not to love the world. And we're going to look at the ways that the world tries to grab your affection. The route it takes. And see the vanity that it is of giving your heart to this world. Because it certainly is vanity. Verse number 15, let's start off with this, with the command that is given. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. We are commanded. It's not an option here for the Christian not to love the world. We are seeing such great compromise take place in our day, and it is a battle of affection of the heart. The world here, let me define that first. The Bible speaks of the world in three different ways. One in creation itself, of course. Number two, humanity, such as John three sixteen, for God sold the world. And thirdly, the world system and its philosophies, its lust and its goals. That is what is in context here in 1 John chapter 2. This is a command we have to guard against that. The philosophies, the goals of this world. Listen, think what this world is doing right now in the destruction of families. How it has come into the home and all of a sudden tried to redefine the roles between a husband and a wife. How all of a sudden it's no longer popular to say that the wife should submit and obey the husband. That the husband should lead in love. As all of a sudden it, it puts in your mind bad images Unless, you know, in, in, instead of realizing this is exactly how God intended it. It is the key to joy. It's the key to happiness. It's not something evil and bad, but we're following the world's philosophy. and know what happens in marriage are full of conflict and strife. It wasn't an answer to anything. It simply led to more divorce. <clears throat> the world has its own way, a system of doing things. We see it in our churches today following the philosophies of the world. Many try to love both. They want to put their hearts in both areas. Love of the world and love of God. And that is not possible. Of course, the Lord Jesus Christ talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. He made it clear, you cannot love both. The truth is, between God and the world, they're diametrically opposed to each other. It's like saying you like Ohio State and Michigan. It's just not possible. You have to love one and hate the other. That's how that goes. Understand this. Whatever has your love is connected to your worship, and that's what you're living for. Whatever that is. That could be self. I mean, there's so many things that want that affection and that attention. Whatever, what, if you can pinpoint that, mm-hmm. that is what you are living for. It will consume you. We saw Israel, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament throughout history, constantly again trying to divide its affection between God and the world and then adapting more to the world and more to the world. And every time, you never see them coming back from that unless a judgment occurs. So how does the world try to get our love? Satan's a master at that, by the way. Our text gives us three ways in the context here, love not the world. So that's the context of what we're dealing with in 15, 16, and 17. So he gives three ways here in which the devil will use, the world will use to grab your affection. And it's going to use the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Again, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So that is the avenue in which the world will try and grab your affection and your love. First off, through the lust of the flesh. It will appeal to your flesh to get your love, to grab your affection. Because we have this sin nature and we're living in this sin-cursed body, this sin-cursed earth, we are prone to this. You've got to guard against this. The lust of the flesh speaks to this. It's sensuality, impulses, fulfilling desires in a wrong way, in an illegal way or a sinful manner, gratification in an evil way. It's uh, the rebellious self dominated by sin. Something in opposition to God. We draw these conclusions from, from sections in the Bible like Romans chapter 7. Which describe in detail the battle of the flesh. Romans chapter 8 also dives into Galatians chapter 5, the works of the flesh. Idolatry, adultery, fornication. the world will appeal to that weak part of you and try and grab your affection by appealing to that sensuality side that you have to try and grab your heart. Secondly, we have the lust of the eyes. This is allurements from the outside, from what you see. Covetousness is created through this. We can see this when David fell with Bathsheba started with the eyes. Of course, being in the place he really should not have been in. There was already problems with his walk, with where he was at that moment, opening himself up, and then he sees Bathsheba. The lust of the eyes took over. When Achan fell, when he saw the garment, be careful what you set your eyes on. Be careful what you're allowing yourself to look. What you are doing, whatever, whatever you're giving your attention to, that understand this, you are giving your affection away. Whether you realize it or not, that is allowing you to love the world and what it's offering you. When you see the, quote, beautiful things this world has to offer you, You might be like Achan and begin to desire the lifestyle of the world. And it now has your affection. It's what you begin living for. I mean, think of right now all the churches that are actually have a doctrinal foundation built on covetousness. As if God is their genie in a bottle. As if... Listen, if, if each one of you will each send me $100 right now, every single person in here, including your children, God will bless you tenfold. And here's what's scary. I mean, it's, 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 of course, it's ridiculous that people believe that nonsense. But think of how they're trying to use God in that context. Wait, I can get what? Oh, I'm doing this has nothing to do with the glory of God and serving the Creator. As just what can I get? I remember talking with a group of, even within our own churches, that had nothing to do with the, 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 the uh, I can't think of the name of that doctrine that charismatics have about uh, um, the, the covetousness, but others simply wanting to serve God for a name. Oh, I want to be used of God in a great way, and listened to several. All of my off talking, I said, and I'm trying to. I said, why? And it's like they weren't even getting the question, why? And I'm trying to. I'm pleading with you. You need to know why you have that in your heart. As if just that's a noble thought by itself. No, it might not be a noble thought at all. You might be trying to use God for your own pride. Motivation of why we do what we do is important. So you might be like Aiken to see the beautiful things of this world, or you can't keep your eyes off someone who's not your spouse. All of a sudden, it consumes you, it has your heart. The psalmist's prayer in Psalm 1937, we've looked at that before. Keep my eyes from beholding vanity. It's a good prayer. Job making a covenant with his eyes. Protect that eye gate. When you're not looking out for that, you're giving away your affection, your heart. And then the pride of life. What does the devil know how to use this one? Pride throughout the Word of God is a wicked, vile sin. It's a sin every single one of us are in danger of. Something you have to constantly be on the guard against. It can sneak up on you. Listen, we are living in a day that, I mean, I'm not sure the entire 6,000 years, but if I had to guess... I would say that we live in a day and in a time frame when there are more narcissists right now than there ever have been between men and women. People completely obsessed with self. The world will appeal to your pride. Listen, if something is appealing to your pride, you can know immediately it's not of God. It's not. This is a sin that can come in and actually keep you right in church as well. It's also a sin at the same time can pull you right out of church. Pride can be controlling. Controlling. I mean, think in the group it's put in here. I mean, think of, what, think of what the Lord's doing here in these verses. The three things He's putting in here that are able to get our heart and our love. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and then He singles out one, doesn't He? The pride of life. Pride has destroyed many people. This is a sin that what it does is it gets you living for self and not God. You have your own affection. verse number 17 we see the vanity of giving your heart to the world. It says in verse 17, And the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. It's it is such a waste of time. You want to talk about looking back in life and, and having much regret. Just simply set your love on the world. When it's all said and done, the amount of regret you will have. Again, we can think over and over of, of those who have been so successful by the world standards. That where they've given themselves over to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, where they've accomplished more than anyone, and yet the multitudes of those that commit suicide, incredible. It's vanity. It's, it, it, it's empty. Giving your love to the world is completely vanity. it will pass away. One day those nice clothes will be old. One day that new car will be rusted. The woman you desire now will lose her beauty. The position you're living to obtain at work will soon be gone. You will not have the physical or mental ability to finish to compete for that job or perform that job one day. It'll be gone. It goes quick, doesn't it? Richard, you are eighty three. You'll be eighty four in June. Goes quick, doesn't it, brother? It does. You got up here in 1980? 1984. Yeah. Hmm. Time goes so fast. I think we can learn from Richard. I should, I'm not going to call you up here, but I should think about it. Just from knowing our conversations. Just in the last years, as, you're, as you've given yourself to serve the Lord. And, and just thinking of, of your own words. As comparing to that to time before. And I don't know how often we'll, we'll, we'll go out to lunch about once a month. And I'm trying to remember how you worded, brother, but I'm tired right now. So there's coming no exact words coming to mind about how glad he is that right now he still can serve God. doesn't know how much time he has. But right now. Because those other things, brother, it was just vanity. This is something that lasts. The world is passing away. And and again, I'm not certain. It might be a thousand years away, but if you ask me, I think the Lord's winding this thing up rapidly. Um, I mean, I don't know when it is. I'm I'm never going to set a date. But with everything happening at the pace, it is happening right now. I'll just be stunned if 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 the rapture's not five, seven years away right now. Might be a thousand. I I don't know when it is. I know if I'm eighteen right now, I don't necessarily want to hear the rapture's gonna happen in three years. So I'm trying to give you guys some hope a little bit. (laughs) I remember when I was that age, like, Lord, I wanna get married. (laughs) Can you wait till I'm married? I think of the words of Jeremiah in chapter forty five and verse in verse five. How we should not be seeking great things for ourselves. Seek to glorify God with your life. Remember this. When you are serving God, even young people, doesn't matter who you are, all the way to Richard, when you are giving your life to the Lord, you are working for the world to come as well. You're helping get yourself established in the world to come. I don't mean if you're going to be there or not, but you're establishing yourself in that world that you've been saved to. Now let me finish with this, and I'll conclude. I want to give some helps in preventing yourself from the love of the world and all of its attractiveness and its allurements, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. One, we know from the book of Proverbs, you are to guard your heart. We set up locks and alarms on our houses and our cars. You know, certain things that we hold precious, we don't want stolen. We'll buy additional safes. In our house for what we hold dear. Greg Jacobs, gun safe guy. If you want to know what you hold dear, open a safe. Bam, there it is. But boy, it's, you need a safe around your heart, you need to guard it. So much is pulling for your affection. Beware, the battle is real. Stay sober-minded. Be sensitive to the warning lights popping up. Don't ignore them. The Holy Spirit will convict, bring it to mind every time. Warning light, pride of life. Warning light, lust of the eyes. Heat it. Change direction. Stop. Pray. Read. That'll be adding water to the overheating car. All right? Not only guard your heart, know the Scripture. know we come in here from Sunday morning, Sunday night with the teaching of Sunday School so that we can know the Scripture. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Being able to understand the Word of God so you can apply it in your life. And listen, this is the key. There genuinely is something wrong if I get up here service after service and just use a verse as a springboard. something seriously wrong with that because in in, in my words it's never going to be the answer. doesn't matter how good it sounds, how philosophical it sounds. This is the answer. Don't try and improve and what we've been given by the Creator Himself. Know the Scripture and live it. You can think of Christ's example of this when He was tempted in all these areas of lust of the flesh, uh, pride of life, and, uh, and the lust of the eyes. He knew Bible and He knew it contextually so that the devil wasn't effective when he tried to even use Scripture against Him. Think of all the people right now in sin because the devil is able to use some scripture against them. Happens all the time. Know it in context. If you'll come ready to listen and learn, you will grow. You'll have understanding. Thirdly, don't get caught up with things. Throw whatever you want in there. Your life is not about things. Luke, we're not going to there for time's sake. Luke chapter 12. Though you have the story of the rich man and his barns. So consumed with things, he, actually, he, he forgot. He's here for such a short time. Make a difference for eternity. Not how big your barns are going to be. If, as you're glorifying God, you've got big barns, good. Amen. If you got little ones, good. Amen. As long as you're glorifying God. Live for Him and however He directs that, so be it. Because He will direct that in different ways. We can go through person after person in the Scripture to see that. Just make sure your life is about glorifying God. Let me, let me finish with this. Remember Demas. Think of how that guy's going to be remembered for eternity he forsook paul why that's exactly right having loved this present world here was a man with the apostle paul i mean apart from lord jesus christ in my mind the greatest christian who ever lived I mean, and you can see the Lord how he, this man who was the wanting to shut the work of the Lord down till he gets saved and converted, willing to suffer. You can you can just see it in his own mind. in my mind when I think of Paul. I can just think when he's in prison in his mind. I mean, not before. I don't think the Lord thought this way. I just think Paul did by how I read him, and that is he's like you know what? just like we you call himself the chiefest of sinners. I knew what I did before. I was there when I said kill Stephen. I can sit in this prison right now is what I can do. To hear him teach, could you imagine hearing Paul teach on the doctrine of justification? My goodness, Demas heard it. He had all that right there, but he didn't guard his heart. And he forsook him, having loved this present world. He did not guard his heart. With heads bowed and eyes closed.